Repent. Isn't that the word that you want every sermon you ever hear to start with? Repent. And you can get like a video, some fire behind me, and maybe smash my hand down on the table. Repent, you sinners, in the hands of an angry God. That was a sermon, by the way, a real sermon. You ever read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? It is intense, buddy. How much do we love the word repentance? It brings up such great feelings within us, right? Feelings of confronting our failures. And we talk about it a lot around here. We really do. As a matter of fact, in Jewish prayers, three times a day, we're saying, repent, repent. We repent, Father, forgive us. And God likes it. He likes that when we repent, right? We say, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who desires repentance. And so we really do it in Jewish prayer three times a day. And then for, uh, from, from the month of Elul, which is in the calendar, the sixth month, leading up to the month of repentance, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, right? We're repenting, we're repenting every day. And then we have 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And if you're not familiar with those, don't worry about them. We'll talk about them a lot another time. Those are the fall festivals. Those are the repentance days. The great days of awe. So... Yeah, there you go, Steve. Steve's excited about repentance. <laughs> but those, so those 30 days, what do we say in the, in the 30 days leading up to Rosh Hashanah? We say we're making tshuva. We're making repentance. We're doing what? Literally, we're turning from the path we're on and returning to God, which is what the word means, shuv in Hebrew. Turn, return to God. Strong's, for those of you who like the concordance, 7725, turn back, come back. 300 times in the New American Standard, 287 uses. Not all, of course, having to do with sin or repentance. As a matter of fact, the first time we see the word, 100 pieces of Hanukkah gelt left over, if you can tell me where we first see the word Return in the Torah, in the Bible. That's a good one. Whittle it down. Genesis 3 in a very particular thing where God is saying to Adam, man, you messed up. From earth I made you. To earth you will return. And the story of Adam actually is a very, the underlying theme of Adam is repentance. It's sin, of course, but it's God's willingness to forgive. But that's another sermon. It's everywhere, everywhere. Shuv, repentance, it's everywhere in the prophets. Isaiah 44, I've wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud, your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me. Jeremiah, return, O faithless sons. Lamentations, let us examine and probe our ways. Let us return to the Lord. Hosea 6, come let us return to the Lord, for he's torn us, torn us, but he will heal us. Joel 2, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Zechariah, Malachi, should I go? on it's a big deal is it any surprise then that the gospel message of Jesus Christ began with the words turn and return repent is it any 
any surprise then that the number one elementary principle we read that the author of Hebrews tells us should be milk. My goodness, you should know this. Not you. That's what he says to them. Repentance from dead works. That's number one. Well, what he says is repentance from dead works and faith in God. That's actually two. We're going to talk about number one. We're finally after, I told you we're going to have a six-week elementary principles class. Five weeks into the class, part six, we're starting the first elementary principle. Sorry about that. Didn't go exactly as planned, but I think it was worth it. We need to look, as much as we talk about repentance, as much as it's part of the gospel message, as much as it is the elementary principle, that's what we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it elementarily, which is a real word. I looked it up. Elementarily. But first, and as nearly always will be the case, we have to clear up some confusion. Significant confusion. I might even go so far as to say diabolical confusion about repentance from dead works. Is that intriguing? I hope so. You've heard this phrase, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. This is, this is Hebrew. Has anyone ever heard a message or the idea of repentance from dead works? Anyone heard that ever? It's okay. I'm not going to make you embarrassed. What does that mean? What in, in your previous experience or encounters or sermons, what does it mean, repentance from dead works? Anyone give me a one-sentence shout-out? If you don't want to, it's fine, but... Stop doing things on your own. Nice. Stop doing things on your own. Anyone ever heard something similar to that? Okay, that's creative and good. Also good. So if you didn't hear these things, stop doing, stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop doing the works of the law without your heart behind it. What was the first one you said? Darren, you remember? I don't either, but it was good. So stop doing things on your own. Repent from dead works. Now, I have to give you a lot of quotes because this is what we have to do in order to make our case. I've broken them down so that they're manageable. I'm going to tell you through these quotes what a pretty good percentage of the church believes regarding this phrase, repentance from dead works. As I've said before, the church is not a monolithic structure. Not everyone believes this. And yes, I went through the internet and I looked at both sides. And I saw, but a prevailing, predominant opinion starts like this. Now here is Hebrews 6, which I should have showed you earlier. That's what we're talking about today. Not laying a foundation of repentance from dead works. Here we go. Stay with me for about a few minutes. These are all quotes from the internet. When a person tries to get to heaven on their works alone, those works are dead works. When we realize that we go to heaven and are made righteous by believing in Jesus, then all the works from that point on should be good and necessary. Repentance means a reversal. That's 
sort of true. Therefore, repentance from dead works means we stop trying to be saved by looking for favor from God through our works, but we realize that these things are obtained by faith. Number one, Protestant bottom line foundation salvation is by faith, right? So works, man, come on, no. Another quote, dead works are the works of our hands. This is from R.C. Sproul's website, Legionnaire. These are works of self-righteousness, and they are appropriately called dead works because they lead to death. Got it? These dead works here describes works that are useless to save. Unbelievers would produce works that are, that are dead because they have no spiritual life in them. In a way, these works are rooted in death because the people producing them are spiritually dead. The works are the fruits and the product of death. It is the produce by one who is spiritually dead, if I didn't just say that. And... Go, don't leave me, clicker. These dead works that the Jewish believers practice were given by God in the Old Testament. They would include practices such as keeping the Passover, yeah, circumcision, yeah, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and of Sukkot, of booths. Some Jewish believers have mistaken believed that performing the external things of religion, yeah, they can become Christians from the outside looking in. If we can't tell the difference between dead works and good works, wait, I'm thoroughly confused by that. They can look very much the same outwardly. They can be the same works, but have different motives. Are you confused yet? I sort of am, but we're going somewhere. What then is rent meant by repentance from dead works? It is a complete change of mind. Sort of, we'll talk about that next week. Whereby the convicted sinner gives up all thought of being able to propitiate God by effort of his own, and this one I love, and acknowledges that he is as bad as the word has declared him to be. That's a little run. My favorite one, of course, there is some Jewish believers have mistakenly believed that performing the external things of the religion, they can become Christians. Today, some have also fallen into the same error. They think that by doing Christian things, they can become Christians. What in the world are you saying, Damien? Well, first of all, I said it just a minute ago. These opinions are not everyone's opinions, but this is... Just trust me, a majority opinion. And you might be asking yourself, well, what in the world's wrong with that? Well, what are dead works? Well, by this understanding, by this understanding, we can see that dead works is, in essence, a repentance from, a turning from the law. The Torah from Judaism doing things to try to please God like the Jews do. Don't you know that will never work? Those are dead works, just like the Jews. Now, you don't have to say it, and that may not even exactly be what they mean. But the point is this. Legalism. Repentance from legalism. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop, stop trying to do things. Stop. The elementary principle is repentance from work-based salvation, this idea says. that. And, and goodness sakes, 
Judaism for 3,500 years has been duped into believing that works-based salvation is what we're after here. You know better than that. You're a disciple of Jesus. Get away from the dead works. And my goodness, if you've read Hebrews, I mean, what, do we, what is the traditional context of Hebrews? Who's it written to? Jews. What was their problem? Their problem is that they continued to believe that these stupid, dead, animal, blood sacrifices had some validity. They were concerned about the high priest, and they were concerned about their Old Testament law and all this other kind of stuff. So, goodness sakes, Hebrews, guys, get away from that stuff. Come and run free into the arms of Jesus. And we talked about, and if you're not familiar with our series on Hebrews, you should be because that will help you with that. The old covenant is obsolete. We talked a lot about that. Repentance from dead works is basic truth then that says, Christians, believers in Jesus, stop with the works. Jesus did away with it. If you've missed that basic truth, you've missed principle one, you've missed the whole idea of salvation. The Torah, what Judaism doing, the law is legalism and that leads to death and you can't earn your salvation. A list might be helpful here. A list might be helpful. These are some examples of works-based salvation. I found these from a pastor in New York. Listen to me. As the rabbi, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a command. I want you to stay away from these dead works. The work of philanthropy. Trying to please God by doing this. What is the matter with you? Are you serious? After 11 years of teaching, you're trying to please God by giving money, contributing, giving to the poor, or going to see someone in need? Or how about the work of service? This is salvation-based works. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to pitch in. I'm going to give my time. These are things that this pastor said on his website are works of salvation. Now, well, just stay with me, because I have a favorite here. I'm going to get my hands dirty for Jesus, or for whatever deity I think is in charge. I'm going to do work to serve the work of ritual, confession, confirmation, communion, baptism, prayers, beads, candles, church attendance, putting a prayer mat down on the ground and facing it in a certain direction, bowing down five times, in a, whatever. And here's his conclusion. Any work which you try to contribute to your salvation, your justification before God annuls the grace of God and insults the God of grace. And this is it. This is it. You have absolutely nothing God wants. And you remember the first quote I wrote, read you where it said, you need to understand that you are as bad as the word of God says you are. That's what repentance from dead works is. It means stop trying to do things to please God. Now, 
it's a little bit difficult. I think the logic might run slightly thin because clearly we can understand that Pastor Edmore, who I'm sure is a fine fellow, and it, you could take my words from any number of sermons and put them on a board and just rip them to shreds in a church sermon. I'm sure of that. So I don't, I'm not like trying to destroy Ed Moore or criticize him or those things. Well, I am criticizing him. And here's why. I'm criticizing what he said. Because even if there's truth within that, even if there's truth within that to say that, no, you can't do enough to get to heaven... We all know that. And not one person in here is trying to do that. There is a massive conflict between telling someone and preaching and saying to the world, Jesus came to set you free from doing anything. Nothing you have is worth anything. And all those filthy dead works, they're just like filthy menstrual rags, which is the literal, literal translation. That's not true. The summary interpretation then of, of Hebrews and repentance from dead works is this. You got to stop trying to be good enough by doing. Jews do that. That's for Jews. Those are dead works. That's what we read in these quotes. The problem is, you ready for the problem? Here's the problem. I'll give you the problem. You want the problem? Jews don't do that. Jews don't do that, and they never have. Bombshell revelation, if you don't know this, I'm going to let you know it right now. Contrary to just about everything that you may have ever heard, Jews do not believe that doing the Torah or living out legalism is the way they earn their way to heaven. They don't believe in works-based salvation, and the Torah is certainly not dead works, and Yeshua agreed with that. We can look at the words of the Master Yeshua, who said, I'm not throwing that out. And anyone who does throw it out is going to be called what in the kingdom of heaven? Least, there's a relevance here for us. Jews observe Torah because it is incumbent upon Jews to observe Torah. Now, not that Jews observe Torah very well. I'm not suggesting that Jews have some superiority here. But I am changing the mindset. Jews, ex Jews live by the Torah because when they stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and said, this is what we're going to do, okay, let's do it. This is what God said, let's do it. Now, again, that hasn't always been the way it is. It's not today, and it won't be until Messiah comes and the new covenant is fully inaugurated and Torah is written on everyone's heart. However, it is not, will not be, has never been works-based salvation to go and please God in the way that you can go to heaven. This may be incredibly basic truth, and everything I've said up to this point for the past six weeks may be basic truth, but going to let you hear it again. God said, God said that his Torah was good, 
Paul said that his Torah was good. Yeshua certainly said that his Torah was good. And the idea that somehow we could twist that into saying that's dead works, that is bold. God said, it's good, I'm giving it to you. Israel, I've chosen you, I've taken you out of Egypt, I brought you to be my own people, and now I'm giving you this to keep us in relationship, to protect you. It's a marriage contract. God said, follow the words I'm giving you here. Choose blessing, not curse. Choose life, choose death. Or ignore death. Choose life, not death. And on earth, it will be good for you. You will be blessed. If you choose to follow my commandments, Good. If you don't, you negate the benefits therein. It's that is that simple. But those benefits aren't about going to heaven. Now, I want to get real, real, real deep with you here. I should stop saying that. By now, you know that's total sarcasm. I want to explain something to you. Are you ready for what dead works are? We've talked a lot about it up to this point. Dead works. You ready? Works that make you dead. Works that make you dead. Shabbat shalom. I have never, ever, ever read in the Bible. I've looked it up one side and down the other. I can't find it. I can't find where what we're doing here today or what we did last night celebrating Shabbat. I can't find that as a dead work. I can't find observing the Passover as a dead work or giving charity or doing acts of service or a whole lot of other doing type things. I can't find where those make me dead in the Bible. Here's what I have found. I've found that Deuteronomy says, fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin alone. I've seen this too in Ezekiel. The person who sins will die. I've also seen this. It's in James. Let's jump over to the new. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it has run its course, brings forth death. I also saw Paul say this in Romans 5. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. He says it Again in Romans 6, sin resulting in death. This is a very Jewish idea. Are you ready for the continued depth of this? Sin results in death. Human mortality, the fact that you will live and then die, entered the earth because someone sinned. Who was it? We already talked about him. Her, of course. No. Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world and thus did death. Are you following this very Jewish idea? There is no death without sin. There is no death without sin. 
Yeshua did not deserve to die. He was sinless. A rabbinic idea we find there, suffering of the righteous, but it's also a Pauline idea because Paul, it seems, finds now the, he, he has built the basis of the church to the exclusion sometimes of the very words of our Messiah. But Paul says this in 623 Romans, the wages of sin is. And this is what that means. When you sin, it is a work that leads to death. And when you die and do not come back, guess where you don't go? The kingdom of heaven. You do not get to go there. I'll make sense of this, I promise you. Hang tight. Paul says this. In Galatians 5, do I have it? Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft. Thank goodness, we're good, right? We are good, because I haven't worn a black hat or stirred one of those black cauldrons in a long time. We're doing good. But he continues, hostilities, Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, uh, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you know what that means? That means those things are works of death. Those are sins. Those are lawless works. Those are things that separate you from God. My goodness sakes, honoring the fourth commandment is not in the list. And here's the real, real challenging part about that. Paul, where's the grace, buddy? Where's the grace? I envied Dave Hazen's new Ram truck. What am I going to do? <laughs> you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Envy, anger, ambition, factions. I might be guilty of those things. No boil, boil, toil and, tr- toil and trouble, but I think I have caused a brother to stumble once or twice. Oh my goodness. Those are dead works. And you need to repent from those things and you will continue to need to repent from certain things that are dead works. Are you guys with me? Or have I lost the room? And I've got bad news. I don't like to bring bad news on Shabbat, but those dead works and and not entering the kingdom, Paul's talking to believers, and he is in Colossians. I don't know who wrote Colossians. Paul, I think, wrote Colossians, but there's always arguments. He's also talking to them, and he gives them another list about things that they shouldn't do or they won't enter the kingdom of God. He's not talking about the people down at the Zeus temple. The people who are in the the orgy with Aphrodite's temple. He's talking to believers. 
He's saying you can't do these things, but there's hope. I'll get to that. And expect to enter the kingdom of God. And here's the bad news. That has never changed, even with Jesus. Here's the thing. Set the kingdom aside. If you sin, if you violate Torah, those things that are applicable to you, and most of them are, like not cheating on your wife, like not placing a stumbling block before a brother, like hurting a child, like not loving your neighbor, like drunkenness, lying, stealing, murdering, and many, many more. Here's the bad news. It is not going to go well for you on this earth. There is an earthly consequence for these things. And furthermore, what you do in those things, if you claim to be a disciple of Yeshua, a child of God, is that you desecrate the very name of God. When you have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon you and you continue to walk in filth and dead works, you are are polluting God's very name. That is not what disciples of Yeshua do. And that begins with the process of repenting from the sins. What do you do when you repent from the sins? You turn around and you walk a different way. And what way is that? How are you walking? You're walking as if you're expecting the kingdom to come. Remember all that we've talked about over the last few weeks? Your life looks like someone expecting the kingdom to come. You're different. You changed. You turned. You stopped doing dead things. And sadly, all of us, I think, are potentially going to have to do some more repenting for things that might happen to us. But here's the good news. Thanks be to God. You know that he appeared, First John says, to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. If you're with him, guess what you get to do? You get to overcome death. How do you get with him? Repentance from dead works. How do you enter the kingdom of God? Elementary principle from one, repentance from dead works. Turn. And you might think, my goodness, this is so incredibly basic. It is basic. But This journey begins with repentance. It's the beginning. It's the return. It's the message of Yeshua. It's the gospel. Let me save you, he says, from the certainty of death that is caused by committing dead works. I made two big points here today, which obviously are not that basic, based on all of the quotes that I read you to start off. This understanding that there's a place for every child of God to live and observe the Bible literally to do things from within the Bible even even watch yourself even Jewish things is pleasing to God and the truth of the matter is you do actually have a lot of things that God wants that's partially why he made you He also made you to give the things that he gave you to the world because he wants you to give those things to the world and make the world a better place and prepare the kingdom. So yes, it's basic, but why in the world are there so many quotes like that? And why is that teaching prevalent? Where is repentance from sin? It's an important topic. It's not popular to talk about it. 
Rabbi, we know this. We made this decision. We repented from our sins. Peter's act message, repent. Each of you will be baptized in the name of Yeshua for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know that. We've done it. We received him. Why? Why? And, and every disciple of Yeshua has. Why would that be the number one priority elementary principle? Why do we need to talk about this? Why would you come back to it? I mean, didn't we already talk about this in the gospel? Here's the point of why it remains number one in the area of elementary principles. You ready? God's not concerned that you might slip and fall down and sin by lighting the Shabbat candles or eating a piece of matzah. He is concerned that you could sin, desperately sin, and Paul makes it very clear that that has some pretty significant consequences. So, we need to always, always be in a position of repentance. And I will com- conclude number one, repentance next week when we talk about what does this actually mean? Change your mind, change your ways. There's, we look at this in Greek and Hebrew, there's different ways to see this and we need to see that to understand it. But we should always be in a posture of repentance. Always. And so, one of the most basic principles that every believer needed to understand is the very same reason why the Amidah and the Jewish prayers call us to say, Baruch Adonai, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who delights in repentance. Repentance every day, three times. Well, not every day. We don't say it on Shabbat, but every day. Living in a posture of repentance and realizing that there will come a time again, and it's not the end of the world. It's really not. Roger, there's a chance that even though you're leaving here completely empowered and absolutely and totally holy, by the time you get home, you might have sinned. You might have had a bad thought or someone pulled out in front of you or something happened. This principle must be number one for you if you want to maintain your relationship with God. Beyond faith in God, beyond instructions about baptisms, beyond eternal judgment, beyond all the other eternal principles. If you want to stay in relationship with God, you enter in with Yeshua by repentance from dead works. And then you stay with repentance from dead works. It is not a one-time decision. It is an ongoing process. Now that, me and most of my Christian brothers and sisters completely agree on. Repentance is ongoing. But that is why it is so incredibly important and placed number one. It is our kingdom responsibility when we live with this kingdom perspective. So it turns out, it turns out that rather than Judaism being some type of religion filled with dead works and asinine behaviors, it turns out, once again, those crazy rabbis 
we're right. We should always be seeking God from a place of humility and repentance and asking him to remove from us not only the dead works that we've performed, but even our desire to perform dead works. And in that process of sanctification and growth, when we come before him and say, God, you delight in repentance, I am bringing it to you today, tomorrow, tonight, whenever it is, all the time. And what is his answer? Salachti, I forgive. Repentance from dead works is not what they said it is. It's what God said it is. I'm not God, but I'm reading his Bible. I'm reading his word, and I'm sharing those things with you in hopes that by now we should be teachers, he says. That when you're confronted with those ways of thinking, even if you already knew it all, you're prepared to give the response for the hope that is in you. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.